0: welcome to freeform free easy for me to say welcome to Freeform Friday on this three hundred and forty first episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Thank you very much for joining us, Mike Jansen, along with the boss Mr Chris fluke, and uh, a lot of things to talk about. Chris is as we speak is on our twitter account our twitter.com dot slash unscripted m c account. He goes through there looks for Uh, statements, comments, whatever they leave, uh, he finds something he likes, he picks it up, we talk about it, and we move on to the next thing. And the the unique thing about it is it can be from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. It certainly does not have to be from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. But there's a couple of things that I want to start as Chris, again, is going through our Twitter account. There's a couple of things I want to bring up before we get to our, our normal features on Freeform Friday. And that is, this is Masters Week coming up, which is, for a lot of us that are golfers, this is the biggest golf week of the year. It is the most iconoclastic, if you will, uh, major of the four. Um, People are most synonymous. Golf fans, uh, they, they are aware of what the Masters is. They are aware of Magnolia Drive. They're aware of the unbelievably manicured golf course they're aware of the green jacket. They're aware of the history of it, and uh, you don't have that same kind of following. Maybe with the Brits in with the British Open, maybe, but this is the this is the creme de la creme of the four major golf championships, and uh, I want to talk about that. It's going to be an interesting week. I'm going to come out right from the beginning and tell you that I believe that the person that I'm picking to win this year's Masters is Rory McIlroy. Tita Green, he's playing the best right now. He took out a star-studded field a couple of weeks ago at the Players' Championship. Uh, Rory hits it longer than everybody, but then the thing that makes him different is his short game is outstanding. Um, But my sleeper pick and... This does not come as a surprise to anybody. My sleeper pick for this year's Masters comes down to one club in his bag. And I'm not talking, never mind, I'm not going there. Um, You knew where I was going, but I'm not going there. This is Freeform Friday. It's not, you know, Porn Central. Um, I believe that if Tiger Woods can putt at all, he's got a chance. The thing that has eluded him so far in this early stages of the twenty nineteen golf series or golf season, excuse me, has been his putter. His Scotty Cameron has not worked at all, but his game Teed Green is fine. If there's a guy that can get around Augusta National in his sleep is four time champion Tiger Woods, and I am of the stern belief that Tiger will not catch Mr. Nicholas with 18 major championships, and that if he's not going to catch him, he's certainly not going to surpass him with 19. But I do believe in my life, after what I've seen last year from Tiger Woods, that I do believe that Tiger will win one or two more majors before he, well, he'll never play the senior tour, so before he retires, um, I do believe now that Tiger will have the ability to potentially compete for two more major championships. And this could be a special year because remember, after Augusta, which he's won four times, the U.S. Open is at um, is out in Monterey Bay, out in Carmel, California, out there at Pebble Beach. He's won there many, many times. And remember, he won the 2000 U.S. Open by 15 shots. He was at minus 12, and next at plus three was Ernie Els. That's how much he dominated the field at the 2000 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and that's where they're playing the 2019 us open so i believe in my heart of hearts that rory mcelroy is the man to beat he's been playing the best this year he's won a couple times to my recollection more importantly as i mentioned earlier he won the big and they always herald this as golf's greatest field the the players championship at uh, ponte Vedra beach florida at uh, tpc sawgrass because you know they bring only the top 144 players in the world but um I do believe that Rory should be the favorite this upcoming week at Augusta, but watch out for one former, well, he he never graduated from Stanford, but we'll just say Stanford alum, Tiger Woods.
1: Well, you know who's not winning the Masters? It's Phil Mickelson, all turkey tits. Same as Sergio Garcia. These head cases, I don't think, have what it takes to win. You, I used to always just pick Jordan Spieth, and the first time I ever did with you, I was right. I believe correct, right? You were, that's right. Right? You're uh, absolutely right. I'm not going to this time. I don't know what's happened to him. He's going through some sort of Kevin Durant-like mental issues. I think yeah, right now, you know.
0: And and I was watching Jordan um, Friday at the Valero Texas Open, which is in San Antonio, Texas, about uh, you know down I-35 from where he lives in Dallas. Meaning Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Um, he was never the longest hitter. But the thing that was different was he could think his way around a golf course and then his short game and his putter were just second to none. And the short game and the putter have become a lot more than second to none. The problems, I, I don't know what it is. I think we probably expect too much from Jordan Spieth because of the unbelievable first couple of years he had when he won, you know, the three majors and and uh, just, you know, the things that he pulled off, because again, he he's not—he'll never be one of the big bombers. He'll never outdrive Brooks Kepka or he'll never outdrive Dustin Johnson. He won't ever even outdrive Tiger Woods at this point. But I really believe, and you may find this funny, my friend, but think about it for a minute. When he was leading the Masters two years ago, and then took a seven at the th- at the par three twelfth by putting two in the drink, I don't think at Augusta, I don't think Jordan Spieth has recovered yet. Mm-hmm. I really don't believe that. And um, the beauty part of Augusta is you can win there being a bomber, but you can also win there being a tactician. And that's how Jordan Spieth won. That's how uh, Jose Maria Olafable won all the time. That's how Sevi Ballesteros won all the time with their ability to max or, excuse me minimize their mistakes. If they hit it into the straw, get it out of the straw. Don't sit there and try to hit it through the straw. Just get it out and minimize the mistakes A thinking man's game. That's why Augusta is so, you know, everybody knows about it because everybody that's on the tee sheet, when they tee it up for Thursday, everybody has a shot to win. The biggest hitter, the smallest hitter, everybody's got a shot. A guy like Kevin Kisner, who just won the match play championship a couple of weeks ago, could be a guy that could compete at Augusta because he chips the ball well, he puts the ball very well, and he keeps it in play. That's the thing. But uh, for Jordan, I love Jordan Spieth. Don't get me wrong. I thought Chris made a brilliant pick a couple of years ago when he picked him to win the tournament, and he picked it correctly. But I don't think he has survived, or excuse me, has not gotten over that meltdown uh, at the par three 12th two years ago when he had the big lead, took seven, battled back, but ultimately lost on the last hole. But that hole, I don't think, I, excuse me, I think is still in his head.
1: Sure. Yeah. And this is actually the first time that I've, uh, you've you've brought up golf and all of a sudden I had a gut feeling that Tiger Woods was going to win. I'm not going to pick him officially, but especially because I've said all along for years now that he's never going to win another major, but he sure has come close a bit the last couple of years. I'm not going to pick him, but I I've got I've got a feeling which is not a good thing. But anyway, <laughs> but uh at uh if, in terms of my official pick at twenty eight to one, I will take Brooks Kepka. Nice.
0: I he I, listen, there is not a guy in the game of golf right now that um has the ability to overpower a golf course. Brooks Kepka could be that guy. Mm-hmm. And you've seen what he's done the last two years at US open venues. And uh, you don't win the U.S. Open back-to-back without having game. He's got game. I love that pick. I really do. I think it's a fabulous pick. It's been a, in the back of my mind to make that pick. But I just think right now, Rory McElroy needs the Masters to complete his career Grand Slam. Oh, yeah, he needs that too. He needs that to get up there in this era's version of Mount Rushmore. If you can go up there, and if he can do what I hope and kind of think he's going to do this week. He he'll have been a guy that has won the career grand slam in major championship golf before he's 30s, he's 29 right now. I think all those factors come into play. Last year he had a meltdown on the back nine, cost him the championship. I think this year he's matured a little bit, but more importantly, he's playing better. And uh he's hitting it he's hitting it an awful long way and he's hitting it straight. And if he can put it all, he is going to be a factor come Sunday afternoon at Augusta. No question. Yeah.
1: Okay, so it is Free Farm Friday. Yep. Did you want to talk
0: about uh, oh, yeah. this monumental? I, I got to tell you. Okay, uh, before, <laughs> before I have Chris do this, I have got to say that I do not believe and, you know, I, uh, I, <laughs> I've been called a pig. I've been called a sexist. Uh, but I've got to tell you, I am not a fan, as you know, of Cassie Campbell, Pasquale, or whatever the fuck her name is, doing Flames broadcast. It's not that she's not qualified. I'm talking about the auditory that comes out. Her voice just doesn't stand up well in a crowded arena. It's not her fault. It's just the way it is. Um, I got to tell you, I keep serious radio in my car basically at this point of the game for one reason, and that's on Channel 25, which is the Classics 80s channel because of a lady by the name of Christine Stone. Christine Stone has some of the best pipes that I have ever heard. Man, woman, dog, child, I don't care. This woman can speak. She's just got this velvet butter that comes out of her mouth. I don't know if she's a chain smoker. I've never met her from Adam. But I listen exclusively to Channel 25 every day uh, out of New York City because of Christine Stone. She has got an unbelievable voice. And as Chris was going through his uh, uh, his warm-up to WrestleMania 35 in our last episode, the reason I bring the name Christine Stone up, not only because of her unbelievable pipes, but she is one of the ladies that is intrigued, and I think we're going to see a lot of this, Moving on with this WrestleMania 35, she is one of the ladies that on air late last week said she didn't know the difference between a wrestling mat and a, you know, whatever in the, in the game of wrestling. But because there's a three-woman uh, main event, Christine Stone is going to watch WrestleMania 35. And I think there are going to be a lot of women like that, that are going to boost you know, the, the numbers, the pay-per-view numbers, because I think there are going to be a lot of women interested in seeing an all woman, uh, main event. But this Christine stone, um, is just, I don't know if she listens to unscripted. I certainly hope she does. I would only get a Twitter account because she's always talking about, she tweets people back when they tweet her when, while she's doing her broadcast, I would. I don't have a Twitter account. I've got the unscripted Twitter account. Maybe I'll send her a note that way. But um, I just, this woman has the most unbelievable pipes. And if you have Sirius Satellite, whether it's in your car or the app or in one of your devices at home, between 3 and 6 Eastern time, Monday through Friday, check out Channel 25 and check out Christine Stone. You won't be disappointed. I would give my left nut to have a voice like this lady has. It's unbelievable.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Okay, let's jump right into Free Forum Friday now. So let's start off with uh, Robert Klemko at Robert Klemko. Source says, AAF teams making players pay for their own flights home. What a clown show this was.
0: You know what? Um, I We talked about this uh, uh, quite intensely last week in regard to Charlie Ebersol and his failed league. And, um, you know, they make it to week eight of a 10-week regular season. Um, I have been very disappointed with all the things that I've been reading in this last week in the aftermath of what happened with the AAF. And I am happy to see that some of the players... I believe the number right now is that somewhere between seven and nine players have already signed contracts with NFL teams. So that is good. The leading passer in the league, which was a guy named Jared Gilbert or something Gilbert, Greg Gilbert, Uh, Garrett Gilbert, Garrett Gilbert. Gilbert. There you go. Thank you very much. Signed with the the Browns. He did. He signed as the Browns' backup to uh, Baker Mayfield. So I'm happy to see some of these guys are getting a chance to play in the National Football League. But I won't go into a lot of it, but I will say this. I thought that from Charlie Ebersole's exposure to the XFL uh, the first time around back in 2000, and you would have thought he'd learned something, but then you really thought he was on to something when he, I don't know how he did it, but he got CBS's name on a contract and got his games televised, and he had the support of the National Football League, and he he had... His league had some segments on the NFL network. But then, remember, they had to get a bailout loan of a quarter billion dollars from the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes just to make payroll after week one or two. So I'm d- quite disappointed. I thought Charlie Eversall would have learned from mistakes that his father and his father's friend Vince McMahon made 18 years ago. And you know, the guy that's going to benefit most from this is, once, is one Vincent T. McMahon.
1: <laughs> vincent kennedy mcmahon whatever <laughs> anyway so oh uh, that's uh yeah i it's, imagine that so you made a documentary about why it's yeah. impossible to compete yeah. with the nfl and then and you then try then to you compete with it up the nfl imagine that yeah. okay okay ted berg at og ted berg i like that there are nats fans who think they're long-suffering bro i literally have gym shorts older than your baseball team <laughs> Literally.
0: Literally. Um, for those of you that aren't in the know, the Nats are the Washington Nationals baseball team, and some people in the D.C. area are in mourning because uh, Bryce Harper ended up signing the $330 million 12-year contract with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. But I'll tell you this. There was no way in hell that Bryce Harper was coming back to the U.S. capital City when they wanted to make uh, deferred payments on their 300, 300 million, 12-year, or 10-year off, or whatever it was, the, the nationals offered 10 years, 300 million, but they wanted to defer some of the payments to the year 2072. You <laughs> knew when that was going to happen that Bryce Harper was not going to be a national at any future
1: time. OK, busted coverage and busted coverage. Maryland woman Savannah Asper, 24, beats Iowa legend Vodka Sam's 342 blood alcohol level with a death-defying 372 blood alcohol level, tells cops she had two shots. She was driving on this, by the way. And uh, then they also, Busted Coverage also reported that in Florida, uh, back in, I think, February, a woman was arrested after her 13-year-old had found with a 371 blood alcohol level inside the home. So Savannah Asper beats her by zero zero one. But the thirteen-year-old wasn't trying to drive.
0: I I I I. Um, I'm in shock. I mean, at at point three seven whatever, they shouldn't be alive. Yeah, I well, mean, there
1: she is. There's what she looked like. There's a lo- twenty-four-year-old Savannah Asper. There's the god. eyes fading off to the right. There. Oh my god. Yeah.
0: That woman shouldn't be alive. Yeah. The le- the legal limit. I'll will give you the example. I'll give you an example. The legal limit in the province of Alberta is zero point zero eight. This woman was at 0.372. Yeah. She shouldn't have been able to put a sentence together. She shouldn't have been able to be, she shouldn't have been able to be breathing.
1: said she had two shots. Two shots. Oh yeah. (laughs) Two shots. Two shots
0: of what? Gasoline? Yeah, exactly. I'm amazed by that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I got to tell you sometimes, and I know it's a worthy cause, let me tell you. But I get a little bit annoyed sometimes by some of these Mothers Against Drunk Driving commercials. But um, I can see why they produce them when people are trying to drive a, a, a vehicle after being that drunk. Um, mm-hmm. That is just preposterous. At, three, at 0.372, she shouldn't even be able to put the key in the ignition.
1: Yeah, the, so the legal driving limit in Maryland is 0.04 for a DWI and 0.08 for a DUI a level of 0.35 to 0.4 is considered potentially fatal according to American Addiction Centers the 24 year old was charged with 11 traffic violations including impaired driving reckless driving negligent driving and failure to control vehicle speed on the highway to avoid a collision and according to her locked Instagram account be happy life is too short well it's really too short if you're Well I got to tell
0: you um <clears throat> I've had a a, a cousin of mine who I love very much, and um, unfortunately, he had a problem in his early 20s. This is about 30 years ago, but um, he got two DUIs in the state of Wisconsin within like a month, and uh, he's still paying it for it to this day. Yeah. And this, this lady's life is pretty much over.
1: Yeah, it's a big mistake. Uh, okay, so this is not SportsCenter at not SportsCenter. So, obviously, it's like Onion SportsCenter, basically. Yeah. And you don't have to really respond to this. It's just a follow-up on our AAF story. Uh, but uh, report, the New York Giants were especially sad to learn the AAF suspending operations. They had recently applied for membership and thought they might have a chance to go 500 next season. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: anyway. Even Gettleman could get into 500 in the AAF. Yeah. Remember... The all-time winningest coach in the AAF will go down as Steve Superior at 7-1. and one.
1: Who came out this week and said that he thinks the Orlando Apollo should be crowned champions. Yes. What a guy. What a guy. Okay. All right. Rob Perez at Worldwide Wide Wobb says, Russell Westbrook has just completed the first double-triple-double, double, 20 points, 20 rebounds, 20 assists in NBA history since Will Chamberlain did it on February 2nd, 1968.
0: Um... I don't ever and would never not give proper credit to Russell Russbrook in regard to his undeniable talent. The problem is is when he opens his mouth, and some of us like me can't get over that, and I can't acknowledge the great things he does on the basketball court because there's always garbage and there's always excess and there's always something hanging around this guy whether you know he becomes the governor of the state of Utah or whatever he always has excess baggage and I think it takes away from his unbelievably gifted ability to do the things that he does with a basketball and it's too bad it really is
1: yeah okay this one actually pisses me off for the win and for the win fans couldn't believe it when Baltimore's David Hess got pulled late in a no-hit bid and I like I, I want this guy, I want this manager beaten up. Like, I want him hurt because, and I mean, there's so many stupid people now. We used to not have to make rules or laws if something was so stupid. But at this point, Major League Baseball should just make a rule that if a guy has a no-hitter, unless he gets injured, it should be illegal to pull him. Like, I agree. Because this is stupid.
0: It is stupid, and they're worried about arms, and they're worried about, and you know what happened also, it happened Thursday night in the Cleveland-Toronto series. Trevor Bauer had a no hitter in the eighth inning. And got pulled. Yeah, it should be illegal. 100%. It should be illegal. I I think that's preposterous. That may be the only time that Trevor Trevor Bauer or this guy mm-hmm. from Baltimore are that close to throwing a no no, and you pull him. Screw that. I I am totally in agreement with you on that one. Uh, I know it's early in the season. I know it's a lot of things. But my God, to get in in this in this Bauer case to get within six outs of a no hitter. I think is preposterous, and I was very disappointed in Terry Francona, the Cleveland Indian. No. I don't know anything about the Baltimore one, but I did. I was witnessing the way Trevor uh, Bauer was dealing the other day against the Toronto uh, Blue Jays, and it literally, dude, it looked like uh, major leaguer against minor leaguers. No. They could not catch. They could not catch up to Trevor Bauer, no. and I think Trevor Bauer had enough gas to get six more outs.
1: I would demand a trade frankly. Um, okay. Deadspin at Deadspin. spin. I know we talked about this last week. Kevin Durant gets ejected, calls ref, bitch ass motherfucker on the way
0: out. You know, um, from what I am reading and what I am hearing, it is just, it is just the worst kept secret that Kevin Durant is going to New York next year. He wants the ability to lead a team and he wants it to be in New York with the Knickerbockers. And um, the way that Kevin Durant has been acting the last couple of years, um, he is going to long for the days of playing for the Golden State Warriors after a couple of years in New York with James Dolan and the rest of those idiots out there in Gotham. I am, you know, we have detailed this many times on this program about Kevin Durant, how he has evolved from the sweet little mama's boy in Oklahoma City to the gangsta now in Oakland, and he wants to resurrect the New York Knicks. He's an unbelievably talented basketball player, no question, folks, but there is no eye in team, and unfortunately, in New York, there is nothing in New York in regard to the basketball playing Knicks, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch Kevin Durant. He's going to put up impressive numbers, no question, but he's going to be in the lottery too.
1: Yeah. Anna Kendrick at Anna Kendrick 47 Sweatpants without pockets, you can fuck all the way off.
0: <laughs> sweatpants without pockets. Um, I totally agree with that. I could live with that, for oh, sure. I hate that. I could live with that, yeah, for sure. Totally, <laughs> totally okay. Be- I like that, yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, uh, okay, so I don't know if you saw this week, but Conor McGregor and Habib... Got into a Twitter war yeah. and it got severe, and Dana White had to step in and call the camps and tell them to shut the fuck up right now, or they're in trouble. And uh, it was going a bit far, yeah. you know. Like Connor was uh, insulting his uh, his wife, his, his, I heard. Habib's yeah. wife, and Habib was like threatening him, like "You're not safe anywhere" type stuff, and so then uh, it, not that anyone agreed. I guess the other newsworthy thing out of this is nobody believed Conor was retired, but his last tweet did end with, now see you in the octagon. Yeah. So clearly it, that's passed now, but uh, it was probably just to run interference while that sexual assault yeah. uh, uh, story surfaced. Correct. So um, anyway, any thoughts? I, on- no, I, I,
0: th- I just think uh, get settled in and get ready because these two are going to fight in later stages of 2019, and I think it's going to be a war.
1: Oh, that easily the biggest pay per view of all time. If they ever, Dana won't even want to, Dana won't even find it worth the money, to be honest. But if they, they should do it. And if they do, holy crap, that's going to be the most interesting. That is going to be,
0: that is going to be witnessed by people that aren't UFC fans, but they're aware of Conor McGregor. They know a a little bit more about this Khabib guy. Uh, But I think any time that Conor McGregor gets into the ring, it's gold and i think when these two get in the ring together at some time in 2019 it is going to be go down as one of the biggest if not the biggest pay-per-view events in the history of pay-per-view
1: they're going to have to ban most of their like corner yeah. guy like it'll be i don't know how they're going to do it it's going to You biggest.
0: might you know and i don't mean this as a joke i really don't you may need armed security
1: yeah, no, i around I'm, the octagon for that. One. It's like something you'd see out of wrestling and I, I could see them actually doing it. Like it's going to be different. Completely. I think
0: that that is going to be a different atmosphere, as you mentioned. And I think, and again, I'm not making a joke. This is my opinion. When these things are said, it becomes personal. And when it becomes personal, it becomes deadly. And I think you're going to have, depending on where the 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 venue is, but you know, it's going to be a big city. And I believe that the police force is going to have to have a presence.
1: Oh, yeah. it Well, it'll be Vegas or New York. There's nowhere else they would well, have it. It's one of the two. Whatever.
0: There's going to be a police presence, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Bleacher Report NBA at BR underscore NBA. Steph Curry broke out of a recent sub 37% three-point shooting slump by putting on contact lenses to fix eye issues he's had his whole life. And then Kyle Kuzma had, uh, Kyle Kuzma said, this is like adding a scope to a gun.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you think that Steph Curry was an unbelievable shooter before, and he is, now he can see the basket. What was he seeing before? You know, one of the one of the things that, that I'm looking forward to doing is going to see my optrician this week in Las Vegas to get some contact lenses again, because I feel better on a golf course with lenses instead of regular glasses. Um, I can't imagine what kind of shooting percentage Steph Curry is now going to put up and he can see the rim. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Can you imagine what he's been doing, and he can't, he can't see? He must be like me, nearsighted, which means you can't see far away. And know. he's hitting shots from the, from the corridor, going into the locker room, and he's hitting shots. I can't imagine what he's going to do now. He can see the freaking hoop. I
1: know, may, unless maybe he was farsighted, maybe. I well, know. maybe. I, I don't know what Who he knows. is, but, man,
0: I can't believe the guy is, shoots like he does, and he needs contact lenses. Now he's got the lenses. Watch out.
1: All right. Speaking of guys in Major League Baseball who need to get their ass kicked, deadspin a deadspin arrogant dickwad umpire shouts, "I can do anything I want." After goading AJ Hinch into an ejection,
0: that must be Angel Hernandez. And uh,
1: um, I'm not sure. I know it. I don't think it was. This is someone else. But Angel Hernandez, Hernandez, everyone knows is a jackass. Angel but,
0: Angel Hernandez is 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 a legend in his own mind, and he has taken the umpiring profession to new lows he becomes and wants to become the show people don't spend their hard-earned money to watch the umpires no they don't except when angel hernandez thinks that they're there to watch him
1: uh, this was uh ron culpa
0: oh he's just as bad i've i've been aware of some of his shenanigans and he's there he's there in the in the uh, umpire hall of fame with angel hernandez and i'm being very facetious when i say that angel hernandez and this guy are a detriment to to professional umpires and referees that generally do a pretty good job
1: okay and more from deadspin wealthy dad who bought harvard fencing coach's house at nearly double its value insists it had nothing to do with getting a son into harvard
0: yeah right um wow uh <laughs> paid two times two times the house value um first of all that's stupid um i, I I think Harvard would take anybody that is is eligible to be there, and you've got the grades and the and the uh, and the documents to say that you belong there. And as long as you pay your tuition dues, I think Harvard will take anybody. I mean, Jesus Christ, Harvard took took Nenchi, so why <laughs> yeah. wouldn't they take this guy?
1: Oh boy. Okay, I've never been a big fan of uh, Sean McIndoe, who's Down Goes Brown at Down Goes Brown, but this is a pretty uh, good zinger right here. Congratulations to the Hurricanes for being the first sports organization owned by Tom Dundon to make it to the postseason.
0: Oh, come on! <laughs> that's brutal. that's a shot, man. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good one. If you didn't know, this is the guy, Mr. Dundon, that that uh, gave the AAF a two hundred and fifty million dollar. I don't think you call it a loan, you call it an investment, and they made him the president of the AAF. The problem is, after eight weeks, the AAF is now pretty much disbanded.
1: Oh, yeah, it's gone. Okay, and uh, another one from Deadspin. These I don't agree with this sentiment, but I like uh how they worded the headline. These new Jets uniforms S U C K suck suck suck, suck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it's funny because they actually look a lot like the Rough Riders now. Yeah, they do. Right. And yeah. so uh but I don't know, did you see them and what did you oh, think? Oh no, I, I you know really what?
0: Um the, the last time the Jets tried different uniforms and the ones that they've had the last twenty years, yeah.
1: I yeah. love the shiny green helmet. I like the shiny green. I like the New York. I like
0: the New York. I don't have a problem with this, the middle one. These two, yeah, not so much. That one looks like he's playing for the Saskatchewan oh, Rough Riders 100%. right there. Yeah, so. um, you know what? The Jets need something positive to happen. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, you know, there, there, there comes a time, and I think you can name the franchises right along with me, The Buffalo franchises, both professionally, football and hockey, New York Jets, teams like this should really think about when the next time they enter into a rebuild, they should include the ownership group. (laughs) (laughs) Rebuild Woody Johnson. (laughs) Rebuild Woody Johnson and start over. Um, If you're getting all excited about new uniforms for the first time in twenty years. That should tell you how bad the football team's on the field performance has
1: been. I know, but I, I am uh, expecting them to take a big leap forward this year. As I said, they're a sleeper team for me this year. For sure. I
0: know they are, but this is the team that hired wow. Adam Gates. Well, see. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I like Adam Gates, other than that weird press conference when he was on LSD, or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what was that? I we need know.
0: we need somebody in the AFC East to stand up, yes. and we need somebody to press the New England Patriots a little bit. I don't care who the hell it is Yeah. but we need somebody to challenge the new england patriots in the afc east that's part of the reason why the patriots are so damn successful is that they can pretty much every year put six wins on their schedule without even suiting mm, yeah, up yeah yeah exactly. that's a problem
1: okay todd Furman. at todd Furman. clearly there aren't enough sports betters at the buck 76ers game because folks are streaming to the exit with the cover fully in doubt do better pa sports books get the fans in the game
0: well, I I was surprised watching that game, um, I don't know what it was, earlier this week when Milwaukee went into Philadelphia, and with the win, they clinched the overall best record in the NBA. Congratulations to the ownership group of the Bucks, John Horse, the general manager who has done an unbelievable job assembling this team, and obviously Coach Mike Budenholzer, who should be the hands-down NBA coach of the year this year in the NBA, to take a team that didn't or just did qualify for the playoffs last year with 44 wins. They got probably at least 16 or 17 more wins this year. They're the number one seed. And um, uh, you know what? I, I I was surprised that the Philly fans were leaving the Wells Fargo Center with about two minutes left and the game's still in doubt. The Bucs went on to win, but I was very surprised of the early exodus of Sixers fans uh the other night against the bucks
1: but even more to his point i really like the whole idea that w- his point was more than the game in doubt was the cover in doubt well, and so I'd, i love like that's something that i think even we haven't talked about and that's a, a nice uh potential side effect of of gambling being legalized is i mean if you have people sticking around let's say the game was you know like the other night i saw that the rockets were favored by 18 points let's say that even if the game's not in doubt the cover's in doubt and then more people, if they're betting on the game, might be sticking around for that. Yeah, like, that's I, I, I th- a great point. I like that a lot.
0: That's a great point. I um, I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it from the fan experience. And to me, it looked like a bunch of Philly fans that were giving up. And the game wasn't over. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really wasn't. When you've got the firepower that the 76ers do, that game was still in doubt.
1: All right. Uh, this is not from our favorite Twitter account, uh, someone's an idiot at someone's an idiot, but it might as well be because some idiot at Year of the Vlad, uh, he he was tweeting with uh, to the actual official Toronto Blue Jays Twitter account. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this I at all. Did, did yeah. you trade smoke? Yeah. No, he has neck tightness and could be available to pinch it if needed. Source? Literally us, the Blue Jays. <laughs> what an idiot. Well, you
0: know... Um, there has been obviously some great change in Toronto with the trading of Kevin Pillar. And, and uh, I strongly believe before, probably even before the all-star break in July and at least before the end of July trading deadline in major league baseball. And remember this year, the trading deadline is only once there is none of that non-waiver bullshit at the end of August. There is one trading deadline this year. It's the end of July. And that's the only time up till that time is, when you can complete a trade anytime after July 31st, you're stuck. Um, I do believe that Marcus Stroman, I do believe that Aaron Sanchez, the pit, the two pitchers. And I do believe that Justin smoke, the big first baseman will be traded before the end of the year. Because again, the blue Jays are in an unwinnable position in a division. They have not a snowball's chance in Phoenix with the Yankees and the Red Sox in it. And you might as well go full committed into your rebuild because that's what you're doing guys with some of the guys that the blue jays put out on the field now it does literally look like the triple a buffalo bison
1: yep uh okay Uh, before i continue on twitter i did get a note from our vancouver bureau chief sean dode because i'd asked him about what's going on with phil housley being fired and he said his response was Pagulas just have no patience I'd fuck Mrs. Pecuala in a second. Okay. Well, thanks, Sean.
0: Really? (laughs) I've never seen Mrs. Pagula It's it's
1: quite the story. uh, She was literally, uh, when she was younger, she was uh, homeless on the streets of Seoul, South Korea. Oh, really? And so now she's all the way to uh, being a... Homeless in the streets of Buffalo. (laughs) The team will be up pretty much. Okay. I've actually... I don't know if I've ever officially asked you this or not. I might have. But uh, GBP Daily at GBP Daily. Of course, Green Bay Packers Mm -hmm. Daily which NFC North foe do you dislike the most bears or Vikings?
0: That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I would have to say that, um, I don't like either one, but the one I like leak, like the least would be the Vikings. Um, mm the bears are yes the bears are our more traditional rival if you will we've been neck and neck with each other i mean i we've rattled off the stats here before they've played 100 and how many times in the 97 wins for the packers 95 wins for the bears and six ties um through 198 meetings or whatever it is um these two are are going to be uh, they're always going to be together in regard. I mean, they're opening up the 100th season of the National Football this year, this National Football League this season on uh, the Thursday night opener. Uh, but the last 15 or 20 years, we have owned the Bears, whereas we've had more problems with the Vikings, especially playing the Vikings in Minneapolis. Um, one of the great things that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have done is they've had unbelievable success rate against the Chicago Bears. People know or they, they're aware that the Packers now lead the overall series by two. But remember this until the Packers passed them a couple years ago, the Bears led the overall series since the 1930s. Whoa. That's how dominant the Bears have been. Whoa. And it's just during the Favre and the mm-hmm. Rogers area that we've caught up. But from the 1930s until Brett Favre came on in 1992, the Bears kicked our ass. Um, I would, if my father was sitting here, he would adamantly tell you it's the Bears uh, because my father's older and, and yada, 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 yada. The the Vikings have been around since 1960 and they've been in a, they've been a pain in our ass since 1961 and I hate them. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So the Green Bay Packers official Twitter account at Packers uh, has an interesting tweet here. They're doing a prospect primer on this running back named Miles Gaskin, who is, I guess, draft eligible this year. So I want to ask you about this other guy, though. So what the Packers are saying here is only two players in NCAA FBS history have rushed for 1,200-plus yards in four straight seasons. So this Gaskin kid and Wisconsin's Ron Dane. Why Mm -hmm. the hell didn't Ron Dane turn out better at the NFL level?
0: Well, I think simply this. I think um, Ron Dane had a case of what I'm afraid of what potentially could happen to Zion Williams in basketball. Yeah, he got fat, didn't he? Ron Dane got... Huge I fat. remember him and just some big dude. And, and and Ron Dane played ball at Wisconsin. Now it's been 25 years. But when Ron Dane won, I believe it was the 1998 Heisman Trophy. So it's been 20 plus years. I was in the radio business when Ron Dane, Ron Dane won the Heisman for Wisconsin. Um, the um, second Badger to win uh, college football's most prestigious honor. The other one was back in 1958 and a guy by the name of, oh, what was it? Um, he Alan Amici. He uh, scored the infamous touchdown in the 1958 NFL championship game between the Baltimore Colts and the NFL's, excuse me, and the New York Giants, which a lot of people to believe to this day was the beginning of the television era in the National Football League. That was the first televised championship game in NFL history back in 1958. And the Wisconsin running back, Alan the Horse Amici, Uh, scored the winning touchdown. I digress. Um, Ron Dane got fat. Ron Dane was unbelievable at Wisconsin, but to be honest with you, it was like a right guard behind an offensive line. And Ron Dane played at 265 when he was at Wisconsin. So think about... If you let yourself go, and you were already at 265 when you were supposedly in shape at Wisconsin, he was a first overall, first over, excuse me, the first pick, 11th overall in his draft year by the New York Giants. Lasted a couple of years there, got traded to Denver, had a cup of coffee, and now he's out of the foot. Now he's out of league, and now he works as a football advisor for the Wisconsin Badgers. Mm. That's what he does. He works on campus. But Ron Dane got fat, he got lazy, and uh, whatever speed he had. He just ate. He just ate it away, and and that was the end of it.
1: Well, uh, just a couple quick hits here. So (laughs) Jared Dudley at Dudley 619 his reaction to Paul Pierce saying that he was better than Dwayne Wade was, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh, And then uh, I like this from Busted Coverage. uh, So they showed this Cleveland Indians game with, like, nobody in the crowd. Yeah. And it says, Friday night, no school tomorrow. And then so Busted Coverage's answer was, Everyone's saving up for Browns tickets.
0: (laughs) Well, you think about, and the talent that the Cleveland Indians have lost over this last offseason, it's unbelievable. Cleveland has been deep into the American League playoffs the last couple of years, but they will not be this year. They may, you know, they may get into the playoffs because the AL Central is so pathetically weak. Um, You could win that division at 81-81, and I believe, this year because the other teams in that division are the Kansas City Royals, Chicago White Sox, and the Detroit Tigers, and all three of those uh, franchises are in rebuild mode. Um, Cleveland will probably win the AL Central by default but it'll be a short stay in the playoffs. Cleveland is not the team they've been the last couple of years for damn sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, by the way, I meant to do this earlier in the week, but I just wanted to give an update on Bret Hart getting assaulted yeah. during his Hall of Fame speech. So this uh, some 26-year-old kid named Zachary Madsen uh, is being arraigned, I believe, today. So on two counts of third-degree assault, one count of criminal trespass, and one count of violation of local law. And uh, so they found this guy's social media account. Just looks like some crazed fanboy who can't talk properly.
0: This is the guy when he was in Madison Square Garden this weekend and he came up and... Mar- Barkley Center. Barkley like. Center. Well, yeah, yeah, in yeah. New York. But yeah, he yeah. was there receiving an award for the WWE and he got assaulted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because Brett was already in the... Uh, he's already been in the Hall, Hall of Fame, I Fame. But now yeah. he's being inducted with Jim the Anvil. Correct. Uh, the late Jim the The late, Anvil. yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just a couple left here. So uh, the onion at the onion. Since we haven't done that yet, Nicoderm introduces new nicotine eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome no. i wish the only eye, nicotine patches were eye patches that would be my favorite
0: <laughs> i don't have a comment i just enjoy that imagine? so much i know oh. That, it, oh my god right, it would work right <laughs> in the eye
1: that's like isn't didn't Jimi hendrix inject heroin right into i believe eye? so yeah right well, like so. i believe
0: jim morrison did too yeah the leader well, of the doors there too. you go okay both of them dead Coincidentally well, enough.
1: Actually, that's awesome because that ties right into this next tweet. Eric Elper at that Eric Elper. Which band or artist do you regret that you'll never be able to see live?
0: Boy, that's a great question. Perfect tie-in. Unbelievable. Perfect segue too. Wow. Um, wow. You know what? I, I'm going to say...
1: Because obviously he could be dead. Uh, yeah, well,
0: oh, absolutely. Um, but a, a performer that I'm never going to get to see again, um, I got to tell you, and I probably told you this story uh, before, but I was fortunate enough through friends of a friend to be able to attend Frank Sinatra's last performance at Caesars Palace in the early 90s in Las Vegas. And I still, when I talk about it, I still get goosebumps. Usually there's an opening act or something, you know, and, uh, but... It was funny, man. I'm sitting there, and the three of us were sitting there, and uh, all of a sudden, a guy comes up and he asks us to sit in our seats. The show is about to begin, and it went totally dark. And there's probably in this arena, or this uh, amphitheater, or whatever you want to call it, there are probably, I would say, probably conservatively between twelve and fifteen thousand people in the uh, in the old in the old Caesar's Palace back in the day in Las Vegas it's gone now this amphitheater but at the time but anyway the announcer asks us to take our seats and uh, get ready for the show and it was unbelievable they draw all the house lights down it's totally dark and you could hear the you could hear the the uh, curtain open and then they put a singular light on Frank Sinatra and it I don't have the words to describe. I, I, As I said, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. It was unbelievable. He came out and sang My Way. And it wasn't, you know, obviously at this time Frank was 82 years old and it wasn't the, you know, 50s version when he had a drink in his hand at the Sands and he's sitting there with his Rack Pat buddies and they're having a good time. This was an older version of St. Frank Sinatra. You knew it was going to be the last time, but the way he commanded the audience and the audience was so respectful and they just sat there and they knew that they were amidst... I knew I was in midst of greatness and I didn't say one fucking word and no one in that arena said one fucking word as he's going through that first song and when he got done, I have still to this day and I've been in a lot of arenas and a lot of sports facilities and stadiums and I have never heard that deafening of a of a, an applause for somebody and dude, I'm telling you, it went on for seven, eight minutes and we just... He came on and was just going like this, telling us basically to shut the hell up, and we just kept going. Because it was an honor to be there and to answer your question long-winded, to not, well, first of all, to be able to see Frank Sinatra once, even though it was at well past his prime, Frank Sinatra. It still was a lot better than the last time I saw Wayne uh, Newton perform, because Wayne Newton at the end couldn't even sing. He had to have a girl behind him hit higher notes. He'd mouth it. (laughs) I mean, it was terrible. It was so bad. But at least Mr. Sinatra was out there trying to give it his all. Sure. And he had an unbelievable amount of respect from that crowd. And uh, I'll never forget that night for as long as I live.
1: Yeah. Because, I, I mean, it's funny, a few years ago when Elton John did a Western Canadian tour and the two cities he went to were Saskatoon and Kelowna. That's right.
0: Those were his two. And, you know, it's funny. I know a lady mm-hmm. from Calgary that was in the Saskatoon crowd.
1: My parents were in Saskatoon Oh, they crowd. were. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: I knew a lady that was in the Saskatoon. It was a very intimate setting. Yeah. Just the piano Just and nothing else. Just the piano and nothing else. That's what it reminded me of when you exactly. said that. And uh, yeah, I, these people, um, I can't, uh, Pat Parker was her name and her husband, Perry, drove to, she, she was originally in Saskatchewan night as well. And they somehow, I don't know if they won a lottery or something, but they got to this intimate setting in Saskatchewan, and she said it was the most unbelievable performance she has ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's when someone's that talented and they can just have just a mic or just a piano and... And and, and, uh, and,
0: and, the, and the guy went on for on and on. And oh, on yeah. On. Oh, yeah, he can go for Unbelievable entertainer.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, we're almost done here, but just wanted to finish off a couple here. Piers Morgan at Piers Morgan. Very concerned to hear about the poacher who was killed by an elephant, then eaten by lions. Hope they didn't get indigestion. <laughs>
0: uh i think all poachers should be shot yeah so, or trophy hunters or trophy hunters they should just be, they should be they should we should watch them die
1: can we teach the lions how to use guns like that would be can you imagine lions running around with guns
0: you can hire idiot you can teach idiot people how to how to use guns i think we could teach probably an animal to do it yeah too.
1: probably Now, this is something that's super underreported. And uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, at Jordan B. Peterson, who's such a celebrity now and is hopefully going to open a Patreon alternative soon, but he tweeted more evidence of the evils of private property and trade, you know, capitalism. And he says that sarcastically. Uh, Humanprogress.org at humanprogress. This is so underreported. Every person should know this, and nobody knows this stuff. So, look. Take a look at the progress over these three years here. So in 1820, 94% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty, okay? In 1990, 34.8%, and in 2015, just 96 We are now under 10%. Just since 1990, it's gone from 35 to 10. Since 1990, and never mind 1820, when yeah, almost right. everyone yeah, was extreme everybody was, yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? Wow, we're under ten percent now. Yeah,
0: um, but I can tell you that there are a lot of people. And uh, I was up at uh, Lake Louise yesterday with my daughter's dance recital, and one of the uh, one of the interesting discussion topics one day, or excuse me, yesterday, during one period where they were dancing and the parents all sit and wait, and you know, all we are Uber Uber drivers to our teenage daughters, but um, the conversation. I was involved in the conversation, two guys from oil and gas. The the, the commonality was, all of us are unemployed. And um, it's unbelievably difficult um, to be unemployed. It's very unbelievably difficult to face your family when you're unemployed. And um, if something doesn't happen soon, I don't know if that's not going to be the last time that my daughter goes to a dance competition because the cost is unbelievable. And uh, I don't think we're at the poverty level yet, but we certainly weren't... Where we were, meaning in my house, where we were three years ago. So, um, you know, that's great that the numbers of living under the poverty line are, are lessening, but uh, it doesn't tell you it doesn't tell you the whole story with that number. There are a lot of people that are suffering out there right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, just one last Onion headline, then one last story I want to ask you about, and that's it. So, because I know we're going a bit long here, but uh, the Onion headline, since I always like to kind of have one at the end, is. Uh, Report, 80% of traffic accidents caused by uh, staring at shirtless hunks. And
0: um, It's not a problem with me.
1: No, although I did. My my one buddy did, uh, he said his dad did get in a car accident looking at a chick one
0: time. (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I have been not in a car accident, but I remember I was living in Los Angeles 100 years ago, and I was going down on Venice Beach, the famous Venice Beach, which you'd fit in real well with your your pipes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, I certainly remember I was on a bike. Uh, I used to do a lot of biking then, especially up and down the the parkade there at at Venice Beach. But I remember running into a palm tree looking at a very hot girl on Muscle (laughs) Beach. And I'm just, I'm strolling along and all of a sudden I I see this girl and all of a sudden, boom, face plant right into a palm tree. And you know what? I don't regret a damn thing because she came over and I got her phone number. (laughs) That's that's awesome, actually. I love
1: it. Okay, so last tweet. I'm just going to assume you know all about this guy because I don't know this guy at all. But I want to ask about him. So uh, Mike Randall at Randall Rent says, This is Sid Hartman, a current journalist for the Star Tribune and WCCO 830 radio station. He is the healthiest and most active 99-year-old person I have ever seen. Sid could easily break 120. And here's a picture of Sid Hartman, 2018 Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame inductee. Looks fucking great. Looks better than Jerry Jones, frankly. And he's 99. What can you tell me about Sid Hartman?
0: Well, first of all, Sid Hartman, I know him very well, interviewed him many times. Uh, He is Minnesota sports, a specialty, obviously, the Minneapolis area. Um, We have had, meaning Wisconsin and Minnesota, we have had a running diatribe for years in regard to Sid Hartman. Sid Hartman is a talented writer, but he is such a homer. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, he can dish it out with the best, but he can't take it, especially when you remind him that the Vikings are 0 and 4 oh. in Super Bowls. The only team that has any success in the city of Minneapolis is the Twins with their two World Championships. Um, he is very much a die hard Minnesota Golden Gopher fan, and I remember times where there'd be correspondence going back and forth between Barry Alvarez, the coach at the time, the football coach at Wisconsin, and Sid Hartman. It was funny, when the Badgers, in 1993, I want to say, was the first time that the Badgers qualified to go to the Rose Bowl uh, since 1963. It had been 30 years since the Badgers had been to the Rose Bowl, which at that time was the preeminent college football postseason game. And the first call that Barry Alvarez made after winning the game and being anointed Big Ten champions for 1993 and they got they got their ticket to, to play New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl, the first call that de- Barry Alvarez, not to his wife, not to his athletic director, not to his chancellor of the university, not to any of his kids, first person he calls is Sid Hartman. And all he wanted to do was tell Sid basically to go fuck himself <laughs> because Sid Hartman was unbelievably harsh on Wisconsin athletics. And it's funny, up until this year, this year, Minnesota, finally, Minnesota and Wisconsin play for a thing called the Paul, Paul Bunyan Axe. And it's a trophy game. And Wisconsin had won it 17 years in a row Jesus. until this year. But I remember that vividly, that the first call Barry Alvarez made after winning a trip to the 1993 Rose Bowl, after 30 years of <laughs> shit at Wisconsin, the first person he called was Sid Hartman, in Minneapolis to tell him to go fuck himself.
1: That's a that's a true story. <laughs> I love that. That's a true story. Awesome.
0: We got to run. We went long, but what the hell, it's it's uh, unscripted, it's freeform Friday. It's always a lot of fun and a great way to wrap up the week. I'm going to call Chris from Las Vegas. We'll see what we can do for next week. I'm I'm scheduled to be down there one week and uh my wife is still wondering if I'm coming back, but, uh, I will come back. I, I, I do like Calgary. I like the people of Calgary, not much the people that are running Calgary, but you know, uh, but no, there's some reasons to come back, but I'm going down to make sure my father's okay. I'm going down to get some shopping done. Uh, I'm going down to make sure that, uh, my golf swing is intact. And, uh, I look forward to catching up with all of you week, 10 days or whatever it is, but I'll keep Chris in the loop. And, uh, I won't be gone that long, but it's it's a needed break, um, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, thank you, for Chris, for allowing us to get together today and get these four episodes in the can, and uh, we'll work from there moving forward. I'm really hoping. I've already got Jack working on it. I want to see if we can score us some Las Vegas um, Golden Knights tickets for games one and or two. I don't care um but we'll see what happens i'm just very excited to get down there 85 and sunny no wind no snow um and i'm really excited to see my dad and sharon and and uh, so thanks to everybody um have a great week and uh we'll see you when i get back and uh we'll put a wrap on it i thank chris for everything he does for me uh he's been uh he's been a rock and i appreciate that and um He's one of the reasons I would come back. That's for damn sure. Um, Unless, of course, somebody in Vegas like Steve Wynn calls and says, hey, you want a job? You know, sure. Uh, But having said all that rambling, um, I appreciate all of you. Thank you very much, Greg, Brian, everybody. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.